Hello and welcome to Show Me Your Mic, the podcast that aims to talk to other podcasters about podcasting. For episode two, I'm joined by Mike Hurley of 70decibels.com. To uh, show your, show your mic. No, show me your mic. I'm still working on the name, working on pronouncing, <laughs> pronouncing the name. I'm working on talking today. Actually, I'm a little flustered. Uh, for episode two of this show, uh, I am joined by Mike Hurley of 70decibels.com. Hello, Mike. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. I'm uh, an hour behind or ahead of myself. I time zones. Oh, that's that's that could probably be a whole show. I think. Yeah, you could you share just. That is that is a that is a thing. Yeah, a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Yeah. So, Mike, as uh, for folks who maybe aren't familiar with you, you're I know you through seventy decibels dot com, which is your podcast network um, of shows. I think I came became familiar with you through uh, Patrick Roan's show. Enough, I think, is the mm-hmm. still the title, right? Yeah. I, yes, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably working on shortening it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shortening the title, so no. And, uh, but uh, where else, where can folks know about you, find you, that, that kind of stuff? Or is that sort of your, that's your main vehicle online? Yeah, I, mean, I don't really have anything. Like I have, I have a, I have MikeHurley.net, but, you know, it's just as everybody, you know, tends to just have a website, which is their website, you know, somebody's looking for you. But I don't really, I, I very, very, like, uh, sporadically post things there. Um, it's more just sort of like if people want to Google my name and they might come across that and then it's just a link to other stuff that I do. I'm on, you know, social networks and stuff as as people tend to be. But my my online vehicle, as you quite rightly put it, is definitely 70 decibels. That's It has been for... Um, network's been running for a year. We're a year old. Um, but I've been podcasting for three years now. Um with various shows and then we put put them together into a network and we've grown the network over the last 12 months well about 14 months now something like that maybe a bit more actually i think october yeah october was was our uh, one year anniversary so and you're coming uh from in case people can't tell the differences between our accents you're (laughs) (laughs) coming from across the pond as it were yep i'm based in london um in in merry old england and which, uh, that's where, again, the time zone thing, you're, you'd think I'd be good at, good at this by now, but I, I'm still, I, I do a couple other shows with folks and they're, they're a couple, a couple of them are based in Austin and then we have guests on from all over the States and, and the world or whatever too. And usually the one other guy handles all the scheduling and I just have to show up <laughs> and record basically. And, yeah. Scheduling yeah. is interesting. Like if you have guests and stuff, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, if, it's, it isn't just oh, there's the America time zone and the England time zone. There's then multiple time zones in America, and I'll give you a little quick tip that yeah. I, I use when I'm scheduling for people. And I guess I guess people aspiring podcasts and other podcasters probably listen to this show, right? Yeah, that's sort of the the hope, I guess. So we'll- that's your target market. Well, what I do is most people obviously on Twitter they have their um, location information. Mm-hmm. So when I'm scheduling an interview, rather than asking the person, you know, what is your time zone, I just go and look um, what their location is, and then I plug it into. I have two apps. I have one app on my Mac, which I think is just called Clocks. 
and it's a menu bar app. Um, I think it's what it's called on my Mac. It's just called Clocks. Yeah. Yeah, Listen, that's yeah. the Mac App Store. StudioDalton.com is the looks like. Yeah, that could be it. And then I have another. See, I should have checked this a second ago. Oh. I have a an app called the World Clock, but there's so many apps <laughs> called the World Clock on my iPhone. Um, let's see what it's, it's here. No, don't do that. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna right. find. I'm going to find it in a second and I'm going to tell you. I'm going to search the app stocks. I know what the logo looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take those and then I just, you know, chuck that information in, like the city or whatever. And um, then that helps me. And then I just use those applications to, to look at what time I'm going to find someone. Yeah, it, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, The app that I use is called The World, the World Clock and it's by a developer called Orin Kolev. Uh, all in Kolev, O R L I N K O L E V. So you can find that in there. All right. Yeah, I'll put uh, as other podcasters know. This is what's kind of funny. It's a bit meta, like talking to, in case you're not aware of how to find show notes on a podcast, <laughs> to, talking to a bunch of podcasters who probably do this all the time. But SSKTN.com is the site, and then Show Me Your Mic is the show. And uh, episode two is what uh, we're on here. So um, yeah, I'm always, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. I guess this is that guest or episode two, like I said, and sort of still finding out the voice of the show. As you probably, you know, you're as you start new shows, you kind of just sort of. Sometimes you have a, a very definite idea, and this time, this one, I'm not sure. It'll, we'll see if it's really experienced podcasters that want to listen, or people who are new, or everybody in between. I think is sort of the audience. So um, that's why I'm kind of open so to change. Like shows just change. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I've. You know, I think any of my shows that have been running for a period of time, they they undergo changes. They get format changes. You know, some get segment changes, name changes, branding. Because a lot of the time, you know, something is not fully formed until you've had the chance to kind of go out and test it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it it takes that little while for you to really find your sort of feet with it. Yeah. So talk to me, I guess, a bit about the idea of you know you started as you mentioned. Um, doing just shows like you know i presume you, you set up a website or maybe like individual shows sort of randomly around the play uh, around the web and then at some point you decided like a year and a bit ago to put it all on one home page one network as it were and uh and sort of talk to me i guess about the decision to do that and why and and how that came about so i think our most our most well-known show i think at the moment is um my a show that i do on my own guests called command space and it's an interview show but command space led a previous life um as a show that i did with my one of my best friends who lives in london with me his name is terry lucy um he co-founded the network with me but we um we did a show together called the bro show and it was my first foray into podcasting and that was what i started about three years ago um from there sort of started meeting people we you know it was just me and him originally and we spoke about all sorts of things movies and and tv shows and everything you know as well as sort of technology and tech news and stuff Mm -hmm. we then started getting guests on the show and then that became a thing like we would have a guest on every show and our first guest that we had was mr patrick roan of minimal mac um and then pat became a friend and then we started enough together um and then that show so the bro show lives on its own website and then enough sort of lived on Pat's website. Then I started a show with Terry and Dave Kalo um, called 11 Minutes, which is another show that has undergone ex- like various extreme formats. 
It's mm-hmm. over its lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we set up a website for that. Um, and then I think it was our, f- I'm going to, s- I can't renew it. This is where sort of some of the timeline stuff gets a bit <laughs> funny because I, I, I then had, I had a show with Joshua Schnell of Matgasm called The App Orchard, which that show didn't really land I don't think for anybody like us or the listeners really <laughs> uh, it just didn't it just, we really tried to make it work then Josh had a baby um, so scheduling them become um, and then when me and Stephen Hackett we launched a show called Ungeniused together which again is another show that we have since retired when that show launched, I obviously leading up to that point, but you know, it was when that show launched, I knew that we had enough now that I was involved in, um, that we should really start a network together and put all of those shows under that network. And then we started bringing in, um, basically every show on 70 decibels I was involved in. Um, I was one of the, the, the co-hosts. Um, and then as things, as time went on, we started bringing in new shows, um, and, building more and more and we currently today i think we have um we have about 10 active shows on the network um yeah because we maybe nine nine or ten active shows mm-hmm. it's easy to forget that number because it changes so often mm-hmm. uh, and yeah and we, we're sort of we're plodding along we've got some big plans for 2013 and uh yeah that's kind of where we are up to now cool and that's uh yeah it's similar i think there's a the, uh, the podcast network idea is something that's kind of relatively new. I mean, I guess the you know the Leo Laports of the world have sort of been doing that idea, but the idea that us quote unquote regular folks could do something like that was sort of I don't know for me it was Dan Benjamin's five by five stuff and probably a few other folks in there that kind of inspired me in that in that direction. But I know I went through similar transitions of like just wanting to do individual shows because it's kind of easier than trying to manage a website with a bunch of different podcasts on it. Uh, set up a, sh- a website and, and have the show on there. But then similarly with SSKTN, do that idea of, you know, okay, let's just bring it all together. It's easier to brand it. It's easier to market it. It's easier to not have to update six different WordPress installs, <laughs> things like yeah, that. When it, like you, you mentioned Leo and, and Dan, and Leo was my original inspiration. Um, I've been listening to him since like 2005. And... Um, when I wanted to start doing podcasts, Leo was was the guy that you know I looked at him as the guy I wanted to be able to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I started the first show, that was when I came across Five by Five because they haven't been around in the way that they are now for for that long, like a couple of years really. Mm-hmm. Then they started bringing on you know the great shows that unfortunately we've lost a few of uh, <laughs> in the last twelve months. But and then since Dan has become my sort of. I don't know if hero is the word like but he's the guy that that i really look up to is you know i want to create something um I, you know i want to i want to be able to to make a name for myself in podcasting like dan has mm-hmm. you know because he knew people but he kind of came out of nowhere yeah and i think um, people who again depending on how familiar you are with dan and with podcasting in general you might know all this already but that's you know, he was a coder for a long time. Actually, Dave, uh, in episode one of this show, Dave Rupert, we also referenced Dan as well. And uh, I think partly also because they're both in Austin, Texas. But um, yeah, like, I mean, he's 
for a long time he wasn't doing podcasting it was just a thing he did or like a thing he aspired to do but had his yeah, day job that he enjoyed kind of thing but he yeah. did up stuff and he was known for things like that but he didn't come from tv like leo did you know yeah and that's what i think it's interesting like you know um who is it? Uh, oh, Merlin or John Gruber, both of them, or maybe together in one of their talks. But, you know, that idea of like the right time and place, you can't replicate Leo Laporte because he was at that transition from old media to new media and happened to be in the right place with the right, and lots, obviously lots of skill and talent and stuff. But also timing is a, is a lot of that. And so uh, Dan is it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like he's the, whatever, flag bearer for generation two or whatever you want to call it of, uh, no, of podcasting. That is a perfect way to put it. Like Leo started it, and I really do believe that Mr. Benjamin is is picking it up and carrying it on. And because I do think, and I know, I mean, I've been involved in podcasting for a number of years now, so I don't think that it's kind of like a Stockholm syndrome thing. But I really do feel that in the last maybe six, eight, twelve months, there's been what I've kind of been calling a renaissance of podcasting. Like there are so many being set up now mm-hmm. by different. It feels like every media outlet feels that they need to have one. Um, and that there are like every day I'm finding out about a new network now. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't think that there's a oversaturation of it because, you know, podcasts are inherently in, the, in and of themselves like things that people can just go out and find on their own. Like you know, there isn't a limited bandwidth for it. So it's, I think we're in an exciting time to be in this space. I think that the next couple of years could uh, could really prove to be quite important. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, there's countless. Uh, that's another tangent we went on in, in episode one. Actually, is uh, is just some of the folks that and and uh, that Dave is aware of that are start like you know des- web design companies are having their own little podcast studios now because it's you know like Mule Radio for one is. Yeah. Yeah. born of that idea of hey we can also it's a marketing thing for them but it's also a way to promote and talk about different things that they want to push as an agenda or whatever and, and just have fun with too obviously and and make some money <laughs> presumably as well i don't think mule's doing it and dan is necessarily are always they're not always doing it out of the just the goodness of their heart they want to also have make a living at this too and so same, same here like I, yeah. I expect and want um podcasting to be my my full-time gig and we make money you know we've had we've had various sponsors but we've had squarespace have been on board with us since may um and they've been on board every week since which is i mean it's incredible the support that they give us and actually the podcasting community as a whole Mm -hmm. Uh, and without without their help there'd be a lot of shows that couldn't exist i think yeah Uh, it's interesting that they they obviously really see i mean i know that they do but they they really see it as a a very a viable and cost effective way of advertising. Yeah, so maybe actually let's uh like I said I'm figuring out format, but let's just jump to that idea of the uh, of of sponsorship and and that discussion I guess, which is always um it's it's a bit of a uh I don't know, it's not like an awkward conversation, but I understand that you know numbers and and dollars and stuff get it's a little harder to talk about because you don't want to necessarily break confidentiality and, and it's things change. But at the same time, I know for somebody getting into this realm, there is the folks like the Dan Benjamins, like I talked about, who obviously are making quite good money at it and setting up a business around that idea. And then there's a whole bunch of other folks who are aspiring to maybe make money 
and there's folks who are doing it as a hobby. And so, um, maybe for like with in your career as a podcaster now, at what point did you sort of was it setting up the network that's kind of was when okay now I have this stable of shows I can go pitch to a pod to a sponsor or did you sort of start smaller than that and and do the affiliate so, thing for a bit? And, yeah, there, it's kind of a, a long story, which is you know cool to tell. But basically, the first sort of advertising that we ever had, and people won't remember this, uh, the first advertising that we ever had was with the Fusion Network. They actually started doing podcast advertising um, in 2011, I'm inclined to say. Um, and they before we were on the network and I had the free shows, I, you know, the original free shows that I mentioned, they advertised on all of those and a bunch of other shows. Um, I believe the B&B podcast was involved in that and a couple, you know, a couple of other shows dotted around the sort of podcast sphere. It didn't really take off. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't really a, a thing that was working for them. And both, and, sorry, just to interrupt you, both like in in podcast reads as well as web as on the page or it was yeah we did we did a mix of both but okay. they were actually these were traditional podcast advertising right and then we also had the little fusion um ad banner which was specific to whoever was on the you know whoever was supporting the show that mm-hmm. week right. um i think i mean i don't know this for a fact and and chris bowler who started fusion and was at fusion at the time is a friend I've never asked him this, but not too long after the we the podcasting folded, he sold Fusion. So I don't know if you know. I don't. You know, I, I don't really know what that says. People can make their own thing about it, but it didn't take off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really looking back at it, the money that they were asking for was too high. Right. That was you know simply because podcast advertising is so difficult. And I'm sorry, podcasters out there, it is. It's hard. It's hard. There's no money, and it's really hard to find whatever money there is. Um, we've had some sponsorships go really well, some go not so well, it, and it just there seems to be no rhyme and reason for it. Um, it's also so difficult to work out what to charge someone, yeah. and we, we we continually struggle with this and have struggled with it for a long time. Um, we are not. I mean, the, 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 basically what Squarespace give us at the moment supports all of the costs and gives the bit of profit for the hosts. So I'm currently not actively pursuing other sponsors. Um, right now, I feel like we have some other work that we need to do um, before I start going deeper in that route. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then we went without sponsorships for a long time because I felt like we needed to continue to build our uh, listeners because obviously that, that's the biggest thing, right? Listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we, you know, we launched the network and then there was kind of like a um, chain of events that led to sort of where we got. And when we launched the network, we were contacted by um, Apple um, to give us, they wanted to give us some of the tools that they have to create sort of the branded page on the store. Um, which was very awesome. And then little things like that, I think, build your reputation and then it builds your listenership and things carry on. And we kept growing and growing. Um, then we, then I started pursuing sort of small, smaller developers, one, two, three person shops and uh, getting some, you know, just getting some practice in with creating ads and stuff like that and, and charging relatively small money. Um, and then I, 
had a friend who knew somebody at Squarespace. Um, I got a contact and spoke to little Ryan and we set the deal and it's been renewed every month since May. So um, I'm sure that they're, that they must be happy with what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I would presume so. I mean, obviously they can decide to stop. They yeah, they to. could have at point and yeah, they give they do give us feedback and you know, mm. we give them uh, timestamps so they can listen to the ads if they want to. I don't think they listen to all of them, but they they do check in and sometimes they'll say, you know, talk about this, stop talking about this. Mm. Um, but they seem happy. They sent us t-shirts. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's we have a great relationship with them um, as they do with, with the communities I mentioned. And I think that's one of the things that I love about them. And we use them as well, which does help. Like 70decibels.com is built on Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that really helped. That really helps me with the ad, with the sponsorships. And I think it showed them that, you know, we were serious about it. Um, but see, the thing is sponsorships are, are difficult because nobody talks about numbers. Like, you know, you don't know how many download numbers I get the same as I don't know how many Dan gets and we don't, nobody, it's like a sort of gentleman's agreement that nobody speaks about them. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, it says on our advertising page, we we are over 100,000 um, a month. We're significantly higher than that now, but um, I don't currently feel the need to change it um, because people can contact us if they want to find out our accurate numbers and we obviously provide these to advertisers. Um, and in the same vein, you know, we don't really, we taken, you know, we used to have the amount of money that we charged per spot and we've now taken that off. And it's because, you know, it, it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it, having those numbers front and center kind of devalue what you're trying to do. Um, and I think that if you want to have a sponsorship, they should first and foremost want to work with you. Um, and the money and the numbers kind of come secondary to that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like they oh, should, totally. it, the best, the best sponsorships that we've ever had, the most successful ones, um, aside from the, the Squarespace stuff has been people that have enjoyed what we do. So they know we're the right fit. Um, and that, and products that I've personally use or enjoy myself. So I know I can give them the best read. Um, and that's something like I have turned down sponsorships in the past. Um, we were offered a, a, a pretty decent deal actually quite early on with a domain company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have used this company myself in the past just because they were cheap. Um, but there's, yeah. And we, you know, we were offered this deal and it was, it, it all looked really good. And I kind of just at the last minute changed my mind. Didn't, didn't want to go through with it. And then there was an animal scandal. So it ended up <laughs> yeah. being the right thing to do. <laughs> and, and the guy, you know, he sent me another email and was like, come on, you know, we could, you know, let, what can we do to make this happen? And I was just like, right now, I I will lose listeners if I work with you and the money's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I consider my future to be. Sorry, you, you want to say something? Oh, no, that's, I was just going to say that's, uh, I mean, it's too bad you don't have an, a podcast devoted to killing elephants, but that would have been perfect synergy but <laughs> but uh no that's i think it's that long uh what's the marketing term the long tail game or the long game anyways as opposed yeah. to just the short-term gain of getting a bit of cash but that as you you and i both know you can buy some gear and pay for some hosting and some streaming services and whatever and money disappears pretty quickly even in a relatively cheap hobby like podcasting so 
you can put some serious money into it. Like mm-hmm. I remember when when we when I bought my first USB mic because we were using these horrible headsets just because I didn't want to spend loads of money on something. And then mm-hmm. I bought a, a Yeti and it was like a hundred pounds or something. And I remember at the time thinking that's a lot of money to spend on this. And I mean, I have the equipment that I use now is worth thousands of dollars. Like, it's, and it's funny how these things they escalate, and and it all just becomes relative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the the you of two years ago could look at the equipment you have now, and um, but before I get to the equipment, which I do want to talk about, because I know that's uh, that's sort of one of the things I want to touch on with this show. But the so the sponsorship is one angle that you have a donate button on your page or page yes. on your yes. website. And that's something I know I've wrestled with too. And I, um, I guess I would be with SSKTN, I would be probably at maybe a year ago where you were or whatever, you know, smaller scale maybe, but a year ago time frame or so where I've had a few shows and then, and so I st- I've struggled with that idea of sponsorship and, you know, I've done a bit of the affiliate stuff and I'm still working out. Like, I think I'm where you, like what you said, I need to build before I can actually go and sell stuff to somebody, sell the network to somebody. But, um, or sell sorry, <laughs> not selling the network, but uh, selling sponsorship idea to somebody. Um, but I did actually have a conversation with Little Ryan before he was Little Ryan on Merlin's show. Anyways, he's had a podcast or a Skype conversation with him and somebody else from New York one time, and it was just kind of interesting to chat with him. That was right before they changed their whole program, actually. But um, anyways, I digress. The donate page. Um, how has that worked for you, and what? What uh, I guess what what comments do you have for on that and and recommendations for folks who are thinking that and again I think uh, to preface this with a really long ramble <laughs> quick question with a long ramble is I think people often get into this thinking I'll stick a donate button up on the page somewhere and then the money's just going to pour in because people love me and you know even though it's just my mom downloading my podcast somehow other people are going to donate and I'll make a bunch of cash at this game and so comments on on putting a donate page button thing. It's, it's interesting when I've never had anybody ask me about this before. Hmm. And um, it surprises me. I mean, I, not to say I forget about it, but I never think to bring it up. Um, I don't know why that is. But, so we, I put the donate page on when I designed the website just because everybody else had one, you know, <laughs> yeah. all the other networks that I was kind of basing my site on, you know, how, how, what sort of things do you need on a podcasting network website? Everybody had one. And then I can't remember how it, this started, but a couple of our fr- of my friends and, and colleagues and, and stuff on Twitter just started sort of grassrooting, you know, let's support Mike and what he does. Let's support 70 decibels. Come on, let's, you know. And, and they sort of drummed together a bunch of support for me and um, a bunch of people signed up for donations and then periodically I or one of the other hosts mention it or people find it and we have a you know a selection of extremely incredibly nice generous people um, that donate to me monthly or do one-off donations Um, and their money actually you know is enough to pay for all of our hosting Um, and that really goes a long way because the money that I get from the listeners would keep us going if if we had no advertisers, and and that's really important. And it's it's a, it's an amazing thing. And you know, saying this now, I probably don't do enough to thank them. And we're I'm, we're working on stuff like that now um, for this year. 
to try and do some more some more there to to thank the people that do it but you know it's not i know this is nothing but i you know i personally email every single person you know mm-hmm. i don't have like a form email i write them all something separately and it, people do it because they know that what i'm doing costs me money and they get it for free and people value i guess the entertainment that they get out of it or whatever it is <laughs> that for us works for them, you know, yeah. whatever it is that we do that, that makes the shows worthwhile for them. Um, and a, a bunch of very, very generous people want to support that. And it's awesome that they do. And it really helps out. So it's one of those things I would suggest put the button there, but don't, don't talk about it every week because mm-hmm. you know, it kind of, you kind of just sitting there with a hat in your hand. I, I don't know. I'm very, mm-hmm. It's maybe because I'm a British person, I can be very funny with some of these money things. But that my advice is definitely have one because there are people that will want to pay for the work that you do and the entertainment and enjoyment that they get out of it. But don't expect it to to bring you in. Like Leo Laporte, he his salary is the donations. Yeah, it's his personal salary for Twit. He doesn't take any money from the business. It, it comes everything. His salary is just the donation money, and I remember when he did that. And uh, I mean, that's pretty sweet. I mean, that that's a, that's a lot of donation money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Presumably, um, <laughs> the the uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting idea, I guess, and, and just a way of. Uh, I think what what I guess I see with you and uh, observing from afar, both <laughs> both geographically and then. Um, uh, whatever through Twitter and, and things is um, there's a there's a certain sort of group of folks online that are also doing things online and uh, I'm just sort of thinking this through as I speak which is I guess the nature of podcasting but um, you know the folks like uh, uh, Sean Blanc or uh, uh, Patrick Rohn and his his sites sites um, uh, they're all they all understand the idea of giving stuff away but then um, returning a bit to the folks that you get stuff from, I guess. And so I think the mistake many podcasters make, and I know I've sort of struggled with this in the past, is that trying to build something, you do need to sort of find your community online. And um, and not that it has to be exclusively all quote-unquote online people and not real-world people, um, which, yeah, that's a weird discussion in itself. But, um, but there is a certain element of... Uh, in the quote-unquote real world, I give you a physical thing and you give me money in, in exchange and that's how you make your living. Whereas online, there's a bit, it's just a different thing and people are still, I think, sort of grasping at the idea of supporting individuals or smaller shops such as 70 decibels and or even bigger companies like 5x5 with their actual cash for this thing that is free otherwise. And so, yeah, I think, I guess my yeah. co- commendation to you and, and uh, whatever, kudos to you, to, I guess, for getting yourself into that position and and that's not by accident it's not by being anything other than an authentic person (laughs) to find that community and then that community helps build you out as well and it's a bit of that i scratch your back you scratch mine mentality so yeah we all help each other out it's uh it's one of the best things one of my favorite things about what i do is that i'm involved in a great community of people both my friends and colleagues and our listeners as well. I mean, that's easily, easily my favorite thing mm-hmm. about doing all of this is that I'm very privileged that I get to talk to people that I admire and respect and get to have fantastic conversations with people that enjoy the work that I do. It's uh, 
It's a, it's definitely a privilege um, that is quite honestly too easy to forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a shame because you kind of it just kind of becomes part of your life, and it's very strange when you you know you, you get to know people that you've respected from afar and have been fans of for many years, and then they become friends or just people that you know. It beca- it's just weird how it can become very quickly a just a normal part of your life. It's very, very strange. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, I think I, I'm trying to remember if it was an interview you did with, with somebody, or maybe I'm thinking of a whole different podcast, but this, I think the podcasting community in itself, um, there's this idea of, you know, you listen to someone like a Merlin Mann or a Dan Benjamin or whoever, one of your peers that you look up to, and every week, presumably on their podcasts that you listen to, they're in your ear, like, you know, literally. <laughs> and so, and then, but then actually to have a conversation like with you where I'm used to having, hearing you talking to someone else and not really thinking about talking and your voice kind of is this thing that's in the background sometimes when I'm working on other stuff, but then to actually have a conversation with you is just kind of a, it's an interesting, neat little, I don't know if that's breaking down the, in acting there's the third wall or whatever, but <laughs> anyways. No, it, it's an, in, it's, I think I have, I've had, I have had this conversation with yeah. people um and i think the first person that i heard say something like this was um when dan did a little you know what happened with the talk show thing do you remember that when yeah. the talk show yeah. did a little psa and he kind of just sort of said um he understands why people are reacting to it the way that they are because you kind of feel like you start to know this person because they are a part of your life in that they are in your ears and that you listen to them um, for many hours a week mm. in some cases yeah. <laughs> and that you start to feel like you know them. And I think people can't, unless you experience that, you can't, unless you experience that, you can't sort of explain it to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you try and tell someone, you know, that you feel like you know me. I mean, I understand if somebody says that. Um because I feel like I know many of the people that I listen to every week. It's an interesting thing. It's very, very peculiar mm-hmm. uh, to outsiders, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, changing gears a bit, I just want to quickly cover, because we haven't even touched on it, and I know that there's some folks who listen who this is all they maybe would tune in for, but <laughs> so I apologize that 45 minutes in, or 35 minutes in, I guess we're just getting to some of the gear, but... Um, However, briefly here, I'm just trying to think the best angle to approach this. I, I guess, um, computer-wise, you're you're doing typically, uh, sorry, not computer-wise, but you're typically doing a one-to-one podcast. I think for most yep. of them, right? And then they're all they're all one-to-one. Yeah, and so uh, you're on a. I know from listing, you're on a Mac of some sort. I can't remember what you're using these days, but what? So I kind of um, the way that the way that I record is I have. I have a Mac Mini in front of me that I use during the shows. Like that is the machine that I have um, that I use to keep up with things, create show notes. I have my outlines and stuff on here. Once upon a time, I actually recorded all of the shows and did all of that on this Mac Mini, eleven inch. Uh, sorry, MacBook Air, eleven inch. I must be some sort of crazy fool. But now I now I use a Mini. Um, what I'm speaking to you now, I have a Mac Mini that does all just just does the recording. Um, and I post from it too. I post the shows from it. Interesting. And so that on that, you're running what Logic or GarageBand, or what are you using to? 
I actually use GarageBand at the moment. Um, I have a copy of Logic. Um, I've opened it, played around with it. It terrifies me. Um, I know that I learn it. Um, I know that you know that before I can uh, really use it to full effect, I have to actually understand how the thing works. Um, and I appreciate that this would take time. I have heard that there is Logic 10 on the horizon. Um, you know, Logic X, like in the Final Cut Pro X type thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to wait now and for that to, to show its head or not and then work from there because they totally changed the application and hopefully make it just a smidgen more user-friendly, um, then I'm gonna, you know, I don't want to waste all that time learning Logic in its current form. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, I know I look at, I, I happen to use Logic Express just before, <laughs> before they released Logic. Uh, I think I'm on Logic Express 7 and 8 is in the Mac App Store. Anyways, whichever one was right before they put it in the Mac App Store, that's the one I bought. And, um, and yeah, it's way, it's overkill. Like there's, I know, I, I think I remember listening to, uh, an episode of Enough, maybe where you were talking about the gear that you do and, and that you did at that time anyways, use GarageBand and still do obviously, and occasionally use just playing QuickTime, which I know you're, you're using QuickTime right now just to record on your side, just in case Logic decides to go, Bye. go awry on me here. But, um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's way more in here than you would need. I and mean, it's, it's interesting, I guess, to think about you know, using this software that's designed for producing um, audio for CDs and or what's a CD <laughs> for uh, <laughs> for uh, music, and then we're mixing it down to you know ninety six kilobit or sixty four or whatever, sometimes mono. You know, taking everything out of it, and um, yeah, just a, it's like a bit of overkill for a lot. What a lot of people do, and I think it's it's a good testament, I guess, to what GarageBand is capable of for coming with every Mac. That hey, just use that, and you can get going so um yeah what other uh gear do you use as far as uh before we get into the mic question i guess that's the the big one that people often ask but um any other gear that you use for like mixers anything like that yeah i have a a mackie onyx 1620 mixer which is far more than i need like so much more (laughs) but i've future so i have um, I have a 16-channel mixer, of which I'm currently using two channels. Um, <laughs> hey, me too. That's uh, the one I'm looking at here too. <laughs> so I, I bought it to future-proof. Um, yeah. I one day expect to use multiple Macs with multiple Skype lines in. So um, with our first sponsorship check, um, the the other hosts kindly donated their proceeds to me so I could upgrade the equipment that I have here. Um, of which I bought the the mixer, the Mac Mini, and one microphone, which we'll get to in a moment. But so I have this; it's a FireWire mixer, so it will, you know, I'll be able to get the multi-channel into Logic whenever I want to get around to using that. Um, but at the moment, I just have my mic going in there, a line out from the Mac, and then a line back in from the mixer. Right. Yeah, that's that's the same. And I don't understand. I I have no idea <laughs> any of it works, and it took me multiple hours of, of almost tears trying to just get these two to work. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I feel uh, somewhat uh, a kinship, I guess, then with you because that was me too. I, I sent numerous uh, Twitter questions and whatever to, I think, Dan and then some other folks because I'd heard about this mixer. And, and like you, I, I bought it because I wanted to future-proof myself. I thought if I grow, I want to be able to grow and not have to upgrade that kind of gear uh, in a year or whatever the, uh, um, 
just gonna say, oh, the the fear I have these days, I don't know if you've if you've felt this a bit, is you know as the software and things improve, like the the biggest hurdle I think the reason why we you and I and, and others like us and then why Dan, like I know this is basically the mixer I think he uses or maybe he used to use in his upgrade, but um, at, with 5x5, five five, but we use this so you can have multiple pick people on different channels recorded and then we can adjust. So if you go off on a rant and start screaming and then my other guest is, isn't is screaming <laughs> or whatever, we can record all those tracks separately, right? That's sort of the, and, it, and the audio quality is improved as a result of all that too. My fear is that the software is going to get so much better on, like say somebody comes out with something like a Skype thing, but with multi-channel somehow recording before you and I <laughs> grow to the point where we need this mixer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that thought, but. I wish somebody could have done something. Yeah. I mean, it's still, a, it's there's still something about having knobs and dials that I don't know what to do with, but it just feels more professional having it there. And so if nothing else, it's an expensive little ego boost to podcasting from your basement <laughs> um mics what are you what does mike use for a mic these days uh mike is currently using a Heil pr40 ah, uh, yeah. if i was gonna future proof myself what is considered to be the best mi- uh, microphone for podcasting was surely the only one that i could do um i'm not using it 100 percent correctly it just goes straight into the mixer i am told that i should have some sort of preamp on it so i have fed it the maximum amount of gain pretty much possible um, to, to get a decent sounding audio out of it. And I've made some little tweaks on the mixer side, but um, one day I'm going to um, buy more equipment to, to even better, sorry, to make my voice sound even better. But I'm very happy with um, the quality that this mic gives me. Yeah. It sounds like we're, we're very similar in that regard. That's the mic I'm using and also the, have the little penny fund or, or uh, I guess actually Canada just got rid of their pennies but um, nickel fund now for <laughs> saving for some sort of preamp as well um, but yeah it's even at with that limitation I think I would if this is the thing you want to do I think I would recommend saving for the I think it was around 300 and some bucks for the mic but yeah. it just is it's it is that good of a mic I think as long as your voice like uh, is suited for it too and that's that's something I know a lot of us don't have the ability to do is go and test a bunch of mics but if you can find a local music shop that has a few mics in in stock that they'll let you borrow for a week or whatever or rent um, it's also worth checking out but yeah it's a plus it just I mean again not that it's about looks at all because nobody sees you ever doing it but it certainly feels perf- more professional. <laughs> oh, it feels great. I've got this big arm here and, uh, you know, I've got yeah. like, pop cards and a sh- like, you know, a shock mount and it makes me feel like, like I'm moving the arm around now and I feel like a professional. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> there's nothing that's really a- wrong with that. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it is what it is and it helps, it helps you if, if a good chair helps you feel like you're a professional radio guy or a podcast guy or you need to, yeah, sometimes we need those little boosts to help us just feel that much more professional. So, um, but don't I guess the uh, what what are some of the other hosts and or guests that you have on mics that they would use that folks who are maybe just starting out would you'd recommend? Um, a good I'd still I still recommend as a very good starting mic to be the Blue Yeti just because of its cost. And I think for its cost, it's good. But I, my recommendation for people now is the Rode Podcaster. Yeah. Um, I've never owned one myself, but a bunch of our of my colleagues do. 
and the audio quality that comes out of that microphone is excellent. Um, it is more expensive. I mean, basically, the Yeti you can use as it comes for however much it is. It can be. I've seen it. You know, it can be around about a hundred and something bucks, really. Mm. Um, but the Rode starts at like two twenty, and you need to buy a stand for it. You know, yeah. you need to buy a shock mount for it. You don't. I mean, it's always great to have a shock mount, but like the Yeti comes with a built-in stand and it has a bunch of really cool presets. It's the most versatile of any USB mic that I've come across. But if you're looking for sound quality, which you always should be, um, I would suggest go trying to just get the extra cash together and going for a road. Um, but, you know, understand that you've got a bit more investment going in on that. Yeah. That you can get a sort of a kit where they'll give you the road arm, which I have. I have. I had the road arm, um, which is like a, a mic arm. You know, you've seen those in professional looking sort of radio studios and stuff. Um, and then they will give you a shock mount, which you'll have to have um, because it stops any sort of crazy noises happening if you bump the table. Um, and it also keeps the mic in place and the microphone. You can get them on Amazon as like a set for like 350 which is a pretty, pretty decent deal. Um, I know a couple of people that have got that package and have been very happy with it. Yeah, that's the same mic. Actually, again, going back to episode one of the show, Dave Rupert uh, recommended he's he's using as well. He is. Um, so yeah, that's two votes for that one. <laughs> that get you a long way. Like the Road Podcast yeah. will get you a long way. You'll be, you'll be very happy with it if you use it. And I think that's the 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 point is that you don't want to like if you're just starting out. Just use a mic and and try out recording yourself and getting used to the talking into the computer and and maybe having a guest on and those kinds of things. You don't need to jump to a road podcaster or high PR forty right away. But once you've established that this is okay, this is fun. I enjoy this. I want to do this now and and actually take it up a notch and put a little bit of money into this. Then yeah, I think skip over that initial that first hundred dollar phase of of mics that you'd see and headsets and things and jump to something like the road podcaster and. And uh, and you'll be much happier. Plus, I think my my uh, justification, hopefully, for some of this, at least to my wife, <laughs> is if it all goes awry and I really hate this in a year, the gear, hardware gear, doesn't uh, in audio doesn't really replace itself that quickly. So, like a Heil PR40 is still going to be worth a lot of money, um, as long as Heil doesn't drop their prices. I guess, which I haven't. They've been the same price for. I don't know how many years that I've been watching them and drooling over them. And same thing with mixers. Like, I mean, there'll be, you know, slightly more inexpensive mixers come along. But um, I know since I bought this one a couple of years ago, it's basically been the same price, same model. Um, so things don't change that much. You can always dump it on eBay to some other aspiring podcaster if you <laughs> decide it's not for you. So um, I know we got to run here shortly. I'm just thinking... Uh, I know you mentioned Squarespace you're using for managing your, your site. Um, yep. And that is something, I think, I know they just, I saw in their release notes, I've used Squarespace a bit for a few different sites. And in the release notes, they mentioned better support for iTunes and, and things like that. Um, your experience obviously is, is good enough that it's working really well for you in terms of sh- posting and um, hosting the show and then also feeding it into iTunes. That's the, primary way of sort of reading reaching out or getting a show out there to folks is through itunes so um any comments on using squarespace i know they're also a sponsor but you're um they won't listen I to the show i don't <laughs> use them to host the shows right oh yeah i should make that distinction yeah 
Yeah, and I know I know a bunch of people that do now, um, especially since Squarespace Six. They've made it even easier to do it. This is not an ad; that's an actual fact. Of <laughs> um, uh, the people that I know that do it, they like it. I mean, you don't get you don't get sort of really fine grained statistics, um, but if you want, just want to get a podcast out in the world, that it works and it works pretty well um, for hosting. This is something that we are going to look at this year. Um, it's one of my primary things. It's one of the big things for me is to to, to try and get our CMS um, operations to be better because currently we use dedicated podcast hosts who host the files for us. Um, and in some cases, we you know we use their system to generate sort of the show notes and the feed. And in others, we use Squarespace to do that. And that's just legacy and learning more and trying new things. Yeah. Um, but we use two hosts. I'm not going to recommend one of them because I wouldn't recommend them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and the host that I am most happy with is uh, is called Libsyn, and they have been around forever. Uh, liberated Syndication, L I B S Y N dot com. Their statistics are fantastic. They're not cheap. They're not break the bank expensive. But if you want to do a podcast, you don't want to host it yourself, and you want statistics that you can quite literally rely on. I would go with them. Yeah. And I don't personally buy into PodTrack as a, um, you're aware of PodTrack. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like, there's something about it that I don't like. Um, PodTrack, they, they don't host, but you sort of, they build a feed for you and then they track your statistics. I'm not really up for that. I've never really seen much in that. And I've heard very mixed things about them in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I use Libsyn, and, I, and that's that's again one of those things too that I think you uh, when you're first starting out, you know, don't jump into some sort of hosting plan right away. Get settled on on doing the pod. Like um, again, another theme from episode one of the show is do ten episodes and then start setting some of these things in motion. But um, even their their classic fifty, which is five bucks a month, I think is the starting point. Which you don't get stats for that, but you can add stats for two bucks a month on top of that. Um, and they're, they're, one thing I'll say with them is that they're, it's really easy to go up and down in their plans as you, as you grow or don't grow <laughs> as, <laughs> as the case may be. Cause I know I initially, I think I was like, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to have, I'm going to have all these shows all, every month. And, and then it was like, okay, actually I'm not really using that much yet. Um, let's scale it back a bit for now, save some cash. Um, and then I can grow again when, uh, and change plans. And so right from within their dashboard, I guess is what I'm saying is it's really easy to, to adjust your plans. You're not emailing them and waiting for support and adjusting PayPal amounts and all that kind of stuff. It's, it works, they work really well. And, and like you said, they've been around for a long time and that's all they do is podcasting more or less. Um, and so yeah. they know their stuff and yeah. Really. Um, the, uh, last thing I think I'm just going through my notes here. I think the, uh, sort of cover most of what I was hoping to cover with what you do and uh, any special workflow stuff that you'd recommend. I know that's a big theme of some of your shows and particularly enough, but uh, workflow as far as just you're recording a show and uh, or scheduling any particular aspect of producing a podcast, I guess, uh, stepping back from the gear itself, but the software that you're using for maybe taking notes or um, yeah, things like that, that, that you little tricks you found along the way. In all honesty, I don't, I don't really think I've got. I have a terrible system 
It's just so bad. Like the, <laughs> there isn't anything about the way that I record a podcast that I would suggest to somebody else. Like <laughs> I, I have a very inefficient way of recording. I have a very inefficient way of taking show notes. <laughs> and that's again, the theme for 70 decibels of 2013 is for us to become more efficient in the way that we do things. Um, and this mainly stems from me just looking into other stuff. But if I was going to give a tip, right, because I guess what you're looking for is a tip of some kind. Sure, yeah. Um, preparation, man. <laughs> that, that is what it's all about. If you don't, so you've got a couple of things. If you've got a guest, you've got to, you've got to know the guest. If you're going to ask the guest questions, you have to know them. Like you have to be able to come up with questions that are tailored to those things. Like I've been on interviews, I've heard interviews, but if I'm on an interview and, and they ask me a question, which is a very obvious thing about me, you know, about me or my work, I just know that they've not done the work, you know, mm. that they've not researched me. And of course you don't have to know everything about me naturally, but the more you know, the better your interview is going to be. It's going to flow better. People are going to know that. I mean, you know, you're going to get people that are listening to, potentially listening to the show for the first time and, and stuff like that because they want to hear your guest or, or whatever. But also, even if you're not interviewing, if you are not prepared, if you don't have an outline um, when you're going into your show, if you haven't at least got some notes, these are the things that I want to talk about. It really shows. Um, and for me, no amount of good editing can hide that yeah that, that is my tip all right which is a <laughs> i feel a bit uh i came clean at the beginning of the show but i think it's an ironic tip in in terms of me interviewing you which luckily i do have listened to you a lot i follow you on twitter etc and so i'm aware of what you do but i had mixed up the time zones and the hour that i was going to be spending putting my sh my research notes together for this podcast is actually now when we've been recording and so <laughs> I'm not as prepared as I do normally like to be. And so, uh, but I, I completely agree with you because I know I've done shows in the past with some, some folks where I've, and I think um, there's, there's a whole art and that's maybe a discussion for another podcast of another episode of just of choosing a guest or choosing a, someone you're going to interview. Cause as much as it, you know, I might want to say, I want to go interview Leo Laporte, but if I don't, if I'm going to be either like Gaga and not be able to communicate properly with him. It's not. It's going to be a terrible interview, and he's not going to ever want to speak to me again. Or there's other people where you think that they're successful, and so then I want to talk to them. But when you actually talk to them, you don't really have that much in common, uh, and it doesn't make for a good interview that way. And so, um, I, yeah, that's interesting because it's all about building. I mean, you've got to build the skill to be able to interview someone, um, like. I'm not gonna gonna name names, but when I started with Command Space, Command Space hinges extremely heavily on the guest. Mm -hmm. It's an interview show; it's a talk show in that regard. When I started it, I was only inviting people onto the show that I knew their work extremely well. Right. And then, as time has gone on, you naturally run out of those people. Yeah. <laughs> so I have been testing myself with some people recently whose work I am not that familiar with, but I know who they are. I mean, I'm not going to sort of talk to some Joe random, but you know, I know, I know this person, I know what they do. Um, and then I've researched them and I feel like the, those episodes have also come out really well. So what I have established is that I have honed my craft in interviewing them. I feel like I'm at a point now where I, I can interview practically anyone if necessary, as long as I understand who they are and what they do. 
but the nerves thing is just a thing that goes away. Like it, you let let me rephrase that: the nerves don't go away, but your ability to deal with them increases. Like I have, you know, I still talk to people that before we go on the air, I am like short of breath. It's just a mess because these people affected for years and years. Um, or, you know, or I just see them as such an important person to talk to that my nerves are just incredible. Like I spoke to John Roderick a couple of weeks ago. Mm. The thing is with him is he's a rock star. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's not, he is not a blogger. Yeah. The man is a quite literal rock star. So it was totally different for me. And I was just, you know, I was really nervous about it. But I feel the show came out really well. And it's just because, in, you know, the idea when the light goes on, I put my game face on and just get through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right out of preparation is what, what makes that happen. Totally. And that's, uh, I was going to say, I was going to actually comment on that episode because that's, I think maybe I've listened to one since then, but I, in my queue anyways, but I, I think that was the last episode of uh, one of your shows that I listened to. And, and yeah, I was actually curious how you're going to handle it. Cause he's, I mean, he's a personality. He's, you know, big boisterous. He has his things he wants to say and, or, or at least he'll happily talk for a while. And so it's kind of, a bit of, you know, feeding him the right platform to then go off on. But at the same time, you just still have to have a conversation that's worth listening to. And, and, and I think, yeah, you did a great job with, with, uh, with him and, uh, and with, I know probably I would, I would guess you'd put someone like Merlin Mann in, in that similar category. Not that he's a rock star, but, uh, <laughs> he is a star. Yeah. <laughs> maybe amongst yeah. nerds. He's a, and, uh, yeah. yeah I want to talk to Merlin again because, um, I was so nervous. It was the first episode of the new show and I didn't really oh, know right. what it was going to be. Yeah, yeah and, I forgot that he was number one. Yeah, he was number one and yeah. it wasn't just me and him. Um, right. And I think it went well. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I was you know, very pleased with how it turned out. But I would like another crack at it. <laughs> going to arrange that. Yeah. Just, I feel like I'm even, you know, I'm, I'm more prepared now. And the thing with the Roderick episode is I'm, I have had more feedback about a single episode than I've ever had of any other show. I mean, people loved it. And in a way that's kind of maddening, um, because I don't think I did anything different. You <laughs> right. know, that's, that's the thing, right? You, you, and yeah. you know, I, I speak to friends, I've spoken to you know, friends and colleagues about this, like Matt Alexander and people like that. He's saying that it's what we were talking about was different to the usual sort of discussion and that's why people enjoyed it but it's difficult for me to get rock stars on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah i understand totally and that's that's one of the pitfalls i think of uh i mean it's a good pitfall to have but um having a interview show is and that's what i'm up against with this too is you know but we talked about earlier you run out of guests eventually that you're comfortable or familiar with or that you look up to even and uh but then also you're at the mercy of each individual guest bringing their own audience with them or not, as the case may be. Mm -hmm. And that, that your, your success or failure going back to downloads and numbers and stuff is, can be hinged on whether this person, maybe they don't, you know, maybe John, I know he did, but you know, maybe he decides not to tell anybody about the interview for whatever reason he forgets to tweet it or, you know. Yep. Which is really you know, happened with us on episodes that I thought were going to be a, a real success. Mm hmm. Um, and the person hasn't got a platform that they're willing to to share it on. I'm trying to think of one. I, I, I feel like I've got one on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember <laughs> what. Tom Merritt is oh, a great yeah. example because 
um, Tom has a great audience of people and he tweeted the show, but it's typically the links that people give you. But he doesn't have a blog. Right. And I knew that going in, so it's not the, the perfect example. See, I knew that he was he had nothing to really link to me to. He has a site and he linked to it on his site, but it's not you know that's not where you go. Yeah. You go to Twit or to go to Yeah. People are watching the show to to hear about mm-hmm. him or, or keep up with him. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not, it's not a problem, but when you have an interview or a guest show, it's part of the territory is that you build your listenership by having new people come and if they like what they hear they stick around mm-hmm. so yeah that can be a problem yeah and you're yeah the good and the bad because you took like well like i'm doing i'm reaching out to you you have a bigger audience and assuming that you approve of the <laughs> the content that we we've discussed this message <laughs> exactly because <laughs> it is and that's that's i uh, yeah i'll let you go here because I, I know what well, both of us are are running out of time and uh and it happens to be Valentine's Day and all that kind of stuff. But the, I'll have to have you back another time because I think that's where this show seems to be going more as I interview podcasters is we each each of us, I mean, it's fun to talk about gear and it's fun to talk about workflows and, and there'll be an element of that, I think, in this show. But the sort of philosophy of podcasting almost is sort of where this show seems to be headed more as each yep. guest comes along because it's, it's something we don't really get to do because you're often just talking with other people, not about podcasting, obviously. And 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 there you don't want to be too, do too much navel-gazing and in our own industry or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's good to have conversations. I love doing it. I love talking about podcasting. I love talking about the business side of it and the, the ideas behind it and what makes it a successful medium. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world to talk about. Well, you had, uh, did you not have a show that you had started? Maybe this was before, just when you first launched. Yeah, yeah. I, I had sort of... a show. It was called The Hurley Bird. Right. <laughs> and uh, I... Um, not to call you out on I have no, every no, podcaster no. has shows that sit dormant so that's not a <laughs> the reason that it's dormant is because I don't like one man shows I don't like being the only person right yeah that might have changed for me now I mean I haven't recorded an episode of that in like two years so I would like to maybe try and go back to it one day but then I also realized that I was giving people pseudo advice as I hadn't at the same point that I hadn't really worked anything out. I have like 12,000 words of a book that I started. Oh, nice. Um, which, will never, which will never be finished. <laughs> same idea um, is that I started an introduction to podcasting book. Right. Um, but then at the same time realized that I do something so badly <laughs> that I'm actually not always the right person to <laughs> advise someone. Well, it's like, I mean, I, I just watched, uh, what was this, Merlin, uh, he was in an OmniFocus 2 video or whatever, and he's, you know, he he fully admits that he's terrible at getting things done <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. The review process of getting things done anyways, but, you know, you don't always have to be the, sometimes it helps to be down in the trenches and, and throwing out advice that you aren't necessarily at yourself yet even, but... Um, no, that's good. Maybe uh, I'll have to. I'll definitely have to have you back at some point here, and and uh, yeah, as this really. show develops and continue a conversation about about uh, podcasting. What? Uh, speaking of this, I, I forgot to, to maybe warn you, I guess, but I, I'm sure you've got a few on the tip of your tongue that you could point to. What are some podcasts that you're listening to right now? Shows that you you like, and maybe uh, if there's any that are a little bit out of the ordinary that you you think maybe deserve a little recognition that don't or don't get it yet, or or just. Let me have a quick, I'm just opening Instacast. I yeah. have <laughs> hundreds of subscriptions. It's actually ridiculous. Um, it's telling me there's a new one. Let me see. I'm just scanning down now. I mean, oh. you know, obviously I listen to the 
the main five by five stuff as most people do. Um, I don't know what my favorite podcast is anymore because they've all been ending. Right. 100 Down with Pat Dryberg. That's a little out of left field at the moment. Um, Pat Dryberg, he's a, a great guy, a very funny guy. He's trying to lose 100 pounds. Um, so that's at 100down.net. That's a good show. Um, I'm enjoying Neutral, even though I'm not a massive car guy, which oh, is yeah. my... I haven't listened to that uh, one yet. Project on the Line is probably my favorite show, naturally. Um, Pretty Broken, that's a fun show. That's a bit out of left field. Uh, Greg Turner and Kevin Leap, um, talk, they're talking about what's wrong with the South of America. Um, or right, but they're basically just talking about s- Southern America. Um, there's a show called Command Space, which is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen uh, to your own shows? No, I don't. Never. I didn't, and that's not. I'm not poking fun. I just, it's a, it's an interesting one. I've my wife has bugged me often because she'll come home and she'll be listening to one of my shows, and because I do one with my brother-in-law, and so it's kind of just us talking crap or whatever. But and so she'll, I'll come home and it'll be listening, and I'll make her turn it off because I can't stand to listen to it. But she'll bug me and say, you know, you need to listen to it at least occasionally to hear what you're doing wrong or right or or whatever. But I did it at the very start. Yeah, that's what uh, that's me too. I. And if I think something's gone particularly well, I might listen to a few bits of it. But I have so many other shows to listen to, I haven't got time for my own. Exactly. <laughs> uh, see, let me let me find one more for you here before okay. before we wrap up. Um, I get unprofessional, but I think that's quite a, a popular show. That's on Mule. Um, I enjoy unprofessional actually quite a lot because it's a it's different. Mm-hmm. It's very different. They don't, they don't talk about technology. It's a, a lot of people behind the people. You know, wives and etc and partners and um, designers and and they you know they just talk about what makes them tick which is an idea that me and another host had had so it's cool that that show exists mm-hmm. yeah i pick it i sort of cherry picked episodes of, of that one too it, uh, as it's worth listening to the whole thing um i i know why you do that because you're like i don't know who this person is but right um, on the episodes where i don't know them i've always enjoyed it because Absolutely. they're they're talking about just other human things. Right. Good show. Good show. All right. Well, uh, I think on that note, where can folks, uh, obviously we've referenced 70decibels.com a lot, but where else can folks find you and follow you and stalk you? And I'm on uh, all of the social networks that you would care to find a human being on. Um, Geocities? And, yeah, <laughs> Geocities, um, MySpace, all of them. <laughs> um, iMike, I-M-Y-K-E is uh, my username on them. If you can find me there, then that's where to follow me. All right. My thanks to Mike Hurley for joining me on Show Me Your Mic. You can find all the links and, and other things we discussed on the show at sskTN.com. Look for the Show Me Your Mic logo in episode two. You can find other podcasts that I do at sskTN.com as well if you're interested. Some interview shows, some discussion shows, building a business online and uh, parenting podcast, a couple other things like that. So visit sskTN.com for that. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm iChris on Twitter. SSKTN's account is just at SSKTN and Facebook.com slash SSKTN. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. 